Hey, you've walked inside the steam room. Yeah. For yet another uh, yet another episode. Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, we will be joined by Pedro Martinez. The great Pedro Martinez. Just a bit later. He's always good for some stories, uh, yeah. some great baseball stories. And it's so, you know, Ernie... I remember the first time I went to dinner with him. Tara says, hey, I'm taking the baseball. Tara August, Tara one August, of our executives. One of our executives. She says, I'm going to dinner with the baseball guys tonight. I said, who are you going with? She says, uh, Patriot, I, I want to meet him. I, I really want to meet him so bad. And you know how you when you meet somebody you want to meet and they're awesome? Yeah. I mean, it's such a really cool thing. And it works the other way. You meet somebody and they're a jerk. And you're like, oh, man, I, I'm not going to judge him, but that really just pissed me off. But when you meet somebody like that, and they're just as awesome as you think they're going to be, it's just special. No, it's been on that baseball side. It's been, I've I've had a chance to work with some some greats, yeah. Chuckster. I yeah. mean, you talk about Pedro, John Smoltz, Cal Ripken. Don't Dennis get my man Eckersley, Ron Darling. Ron Darling. I know yeah. I'm going down the list. Curtis yeah. Granderson, Jimmy Rollins, all these guys. And, it's, and, uh, and Lauren's doing a great job too. Oh, Lauren's outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. If you ever, if, and if you haven't seen Lauren on uh, that MLB Central show, oh man, yes, Lauren Shahadi and uh, Mark DeRosa. Yeah, uh, they're they're hilarious. Yeah. So uh, we're actually working a lot lately, man. We're Trust doing me. these playoff double headers, oh. walking out of here at two o'clock in the morning. Coming back in today to do the steam room. It's like a real job. It's not like work at all doing the steam room, though. That's just you and me sitting around talking. We just happen to have to go someplace to talk. Yeah. And and have microphones and lights and makeup. That's Other okay. than that, it's just having a conversation. It, but the, the steam room has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. And people listening and not seeing, because for, for I guess for promo purposes, we video this. Yes. That's but, why we but, have to have makeup on for just a... For just something well, I don't that have any makeup on. Yes, you do. Okay, you I, always okay, do. Okay, just lying. You, you wear makeup when we're not when we're off the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but right. But that's another story. Okay, first of all, first of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. Oh man, I got a few things to talk about today. The Stanley Cup playoffs are here. You are in your zone right now. TBS with- got the playoffs, Ernie. I know. They started yesterday. I'm so glad TBS and TNT, because they're going to be on some nights on TBS and TNT when we are on. Starting May 5th. May 5th. Yeah. Uh, Cinco de Mayo. It uh, is, as it a matter is. of fact. So you can get drunk and watch hockey, which is a very <laughs> Canadian thing to do, I might add. <laughs> One of my all my Canadian <laughs> friends, so it's gonna be a great run. I'm really uh, shout out to our, the people who run our network, and that'll be a night off for us from the NBA playoffs. Yes. So I can just picture you, uh, oh. uh I celebrating find- Cinco de Mayo yeah. in front of. I, I don't know if you're gonna be at your place or if you're gonna uh, be. At I'm gonna the, be out at the at the pub. No, I'm gonna be out somewhere because the cool thing about being at work right now, you know, we have. 10 televisions in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like last night I had the Toronto game. Yeah, you had, you had NHL on two different on two like different networks. ESPN yeah, and ESPN. ESPN two. Two, yeah. So I had Toronto who beat the hell out of my lightning last night. Uh, and I had the Hurricanes won. The Kings against the Oilers was a heck of a game. They won 4-3. Uh, they scored with like two minutes, three minutes to go. It was a hell of a game. And the Wild just beat the hell out of Got beat down. By St. Louis. By St. Louis. Yeah. So I got to find a place where I can watch basketball and hockey. I mean, that's that's like heaven for me. Those I think there are places called sports bars. Yeah, yeah. I, gotta, would, I gotta, just got to find happen. a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And another friend of mine is really ill. One of the greatest players in NBA history and one of the greatest men I ever met, the great Bob Lanier. Uh, so I just wanted Bob to know, man, hey, man, you've been a great friend for a long time. Uh, Such a great ambassador uh, for, for, the, the game. for the NBA and for the game of basketball itself yeah. and just a, this gentle giant of, uh, a, of a man. Yeah, it, it, and gentle giant is the perfect analogy for Bob. And long before people were talking about the size of Shaquille O'Neal's feet, yeah, they were talking about the size of Bob Lanier's <laughs> yes. feet because they were twenty somethings yep. too. 
So, Bob, man, we we pulling for you and just take care of yourself. That's all we can do is pray for you and think about you. Um, this is only me, America. Ernie has nothing to do with this last Uh-oh. thing. Oh, do I need to leave the? Is is this going to be guilt by association? No, I, I don't want you to be guilty. I just want to say this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I'm, I'm deeply disturbed about the Supreme Court ruling uh, that's going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, just disappointed in Supreme Court, which I'm always disappointed in the Supreme Court for the simple fact we should not be electing judges based on their political affiliation. If you're going to be the highest court in the land, you should be unbiased. You shouldn't be biased by the president, whether he's a Democrat or Republican. When you make ruling, it shouldn't be conservative or liberal. It should be like, let's try to do the right thing. So I'm not a big fan of the Supreme Court anyway for that simple fact. But I was disappointed in them overturning Roe v. Wade. I am a pro-choice guy. That's why I want to separate you. This is just my opinion. And uh, I wanted to say that. Uh, I was very disappointed they're going to overturn that uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, And so just wanted uh, the people out there who I support, Planned Parenthood, and groups that are pro-choice, I just want to get that out there. So. So that's it for first of all. That's it for first of all. That was wide ranging, yeah. as ranging. always. Yeah. Um, Good luck finding a sports bar. Oh yeah. In, oh, in Atlanta. Me, one thing. I don't know hey, if those hey, exist hey, in hey, Atlanta. Let me by just the way. say something. One thing Chuck can do is find a bar. <laughs> 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 hey, hey. One thing Chuck can do, I and, can find a bar. And one where he can watch uh, hey, I, I'm the never Stanley gonna, Cup uh, playoffs, hey, the right. NBA playoffs, and celebrate Cinco hey, de Mayo. Hey, I'm never going to be a lawyer. I want to see you Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Back here inside the steam room where there's only one rule for guests, and that is keep your towel on. This is a special, special guest. It is. It's it's a Hall of Famer like yourself. Uh, It's Pedro Martinez of uh, MLB on TBS on that studio show. I have the pleasure of working with Pedro when I'm uh, not doing basketball. Lauren Shahadi does an outstanding job working with Pedro and Curtis Granderson and Jimmy Rollins. Yes. Pedro, welcome. Man, it's good to see you again. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Chuck, it's an honor to be with you too as well. Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. One of them is really small. The other one is really tall. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like a fanboy the first time I met Pedro. I mean, because there's certain people, I get criticized for watching too much sports. I just love sports. I just think it's the greatest thing in the world because yeah, you watch too much. I watch too much, but you can never watch too much or play too much golf. But <laughs> you sit back when you or watch, eat too much food. When you sit back and watch great players, you're like, man, I like to meet that dude right there. And now I get the pleasure of working in the same building with Pedro, and it's one of the coolest things. When I met him, I was like a fan fan boy. So this is awesome to have you on. Talk to you always. Hey, Petey, you know what you need to t- you need to teach Chuck something real quick as we get started. The thing that you like to do in the studio, and that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where where did that come from? Manny was always out of place in in Boston, so <laughs> when Manny or Johnny Damon did something great, we had to point it out, but without saying words because I was so far away from the from the mound to to the outfield, I'll just go and take my glove and take my finger and go, yeah, yeah. that's approved. <laughs> you know, you did that. Chucks, do you want to try that one time? Try try that one time at Pedro. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to look at Pedro uh, when you do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, very good. Hey, uh, Pedro, you know what? There are a million things we could talk about, but I think a real good place to start when we talk about your story and your career is this. Explain to me the love affair the Dominican Republic has for the game of baseball. I'll tell you what. I'm going to explain it plain and simple. We don't have that many choices. And... I know both of you are, are completely aware of, you know, where we come from and, and what it's like. Many good things that you can see in the Dominican. We don't have too many choices to pick. Like in, in the States, you have basketball, you have football, you have all sorts of uh, opportunities to come out. Dominican is literally, you make it through baseball or you got to be really smart, go to school, find a way out, find a visa, 
find another opportunity somewhere else. Uh, but baseball allows you to become good. You don't require that many tools. And you have plenty of space and plenty of people to play with because everybody seems to, to be hooked into baseball. Traditionally, because of the family members that played previously, introduced us to baseball. So last year we had the controversy about what people were using to get a grip on the ball. Mm-hmm. This year, guys are complaining the ball is out of control. Explain that to me, because I like as a novice, I'm sitting here watching. Like last year, I didn't understand, as long as you're not cheating, but they said most players use something to get a good grip on the ball. And this year they said they can't get a grip on the ball. What does that mean to a novice like myself? Well, the thing is the balls have been introduced to humidors. Some of those guys that were used to probably, probably from the minor leagues, you can't blame them, uh, to have something sticking to their fingers to learn how to command the ball a little bit better, which is something they're not doing enough. They're not having those guys spend enough time in the minor leagues to get a hold of location before they come up. But they do have a lot of speed. And a spin rate is another thing that they take uh, in consideration a lot. But that's created most of the time, not because the guys has proper mechanics or proper release points. It's because whatever they were using to manipulate the ball, now that they are forced to go pretty much to my, my good old times, where you have to go burn the Rosen bag with your fingers or against your, your pants and uh, become moral. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Become moral, rely on humanity in order for you to get the feel for the ball and probably spend a lot more time on top of the bomb repeating which is something they're not accustomed to because they bring them over after 50 innings, sometimes in the minor leagues, but they throw 100, 101. But the kids have no idea that when you have to execute away, it has to be away. When you have to go in, you have to go in, but you have to protect the player that's hitting out there. You cannot just go out there, blow it 100 without knowing whether you're going to hit him in the head or you're going to hit him in the leg. you got to be cautious. You, gotta, you, you have to find... Uh, somewhat a balance between not too high and not too low because you also want to make a statement with the pitch inside. But I've seen that a lot early in the season where the guys are just holding a hundred, but they have no idea what they really intend to do with that. And that's that's really scary. And that's probably why you see more comments about it. Let me ask a follow-up question. Okay, so in the NBA, three-point shooting gets out of control. Like, everybody's just going to shoot threes. So my question is, so you're saying that guys have spent so much time just trying to throw the ball as hard as they can instead of learning how to pitch. Is, is that the same comparison? Yes, that's exactly it. Uh, but it's not the, the players, to be honest. It's the way baseball has been trending for the last probably 10 to 12 years. Is that they prefer to bring the kid younger, but can actually perform based on analytics and based on results on some of those pitches well executed. If you can execute a hundred and locate it well, you're gonna you're gonna have pretty much a dream pitcher on top of the mound. But the problem is you have one, but you don't have the other. And they need to now make sure that they have enough balance where they can have enough experience and enough power to bring the guy and have him execute. Because when you hit a guy at 100 miles an hour in the helmet, you're playing with his life. And that's that's not a fun thing to have. Uh, back in my days, when you hit a guy once, twice, and you got close to him, you were pretty much going to get probably a, a beam balling, but a safe one. And every once in a while, a little fight will break <laughs> or whatever. But uh, nowadays, it's a scary. It's just pure scary. I got plunked a couple of times myself. Hey, you got you had it coming, and you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did too, and I and I and I and I got it, and I took it like a man. And when when I didn't think it was fair, then I I, I just did what I had to do. But you know what? It's all you know when you talk about you know spin rate and you talk about grip and that kind of thing. It's almost if you're a hitter, 
you got to pick which one of those you want. You see, if if I'm a hitter, I'd say I want that pitcher to have the best grip he possibly can have on that thing, so he knows where it's going. So he, so it's going to go where he's looking, even though it might make the pitch tougher to hit because it does increase his spin rate and that kind of thing, and it makes him a more effective pitcher. But I'd want to know where that thing is going. And another thing is when you talk about everybody shooting threes. Yeah. But it's the same. I mean, what what grabs the attention? What grabs the spotlight? Uh, you talk about kids coming up playing basketball and not knowing how to play the game, but they know how to get on the highlight reel. And it's almost the same deal. Now, they showed highlights of this Tennessee college game the other day. Why'd they show the highlight? Because the kid on the hill was throwing 105 and a half on the gun. And that's the way they're training nowadays to actually throw hard because analytics have found a way to figure out how you can be effective on the mound. But at the same time, if you watch some of those kids throwing 100, they're really erratic. They can be effective not only because they they are effectively wild, they're going to throw in office strikes, but they're gonna, there's going to be a point where they're going to airmail one of them, and that's a dangerous one. I think baseball in general wants to see offense, but I don't know if you guys noticed. And Chuck, I'm pretty sure you did because you, you watch a lot of sports. Early in the season, Kershaw was flirting with a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Scherzer struck out 10. for like, It's been like three times already. Uh, you saw some of the guys that have a little bit more maturity and, and guys that, that are a little bit of a throwback have success. Verlander, all those guys that, that are used to uh, controlling the ball and they know mechanics and they know release points are having early success. Why? Because they they know how to command the strike zone. They, not only they have good stuff, but they, they know how to command where they intend to go. They have a program. They execute it. And early in the season with, a, with an abbreviated spring training, well, it seems like those guys have the advantage. But at the same time, the league wants to see offense. They want the level ground feel for everybody. That's why they have the humidors in every stadium to make sure that they don't go to those kind of uh, sticky things that they were using, but not take it to a level where it was, it was almost unfair for the hitters. But they, they want to find the balance between the offense and the pitching and at the same time make it safe. But it obviously it's not working with the young players right now. Well, You've said the magic word twice. People think I hate analytics. Because you do. Because I do. Where are you on the baseball as far as analytics go? Baseball is a game of adjustments. And if I had to use some parts of analytics, I would do that. I would be more than happy to see how I can elevate my game or make it even easier. Uh, But at the same time, I must go to the fundamental things that you need to actually uh, be the best that you can be out there, keep it safe, uh, keep the integrity of the game at the same time. Uh, it would be shameful for me to to have had a video where they have to snap a glove out of my hands because I was shitting. I, I played in the middle of the steroid era, and I never complained because it's literally like saying, well, I'm a basketball player, and I wanted to play against Jordan, against Barkley, against... You know, some of the greatest stars that were out there, uh, Dr. J, whoever. I, I, I mean, I wanted the elite players to face me and make sure that whatever I got was truly what I, what I deserve. And I never complained about the steroid era. But at the same time, imagine what it would be like if I was pitching in an era where everybody seemed to be at the same level right now. Baseball did a hell of a job at cleaning up all the steroids and, and all the drugs out there, all the PEDs and all that. So uh, you can only imagine what it would be like Pedro nowadays facing everybody at the same level ground field. And it makes me really happy to go to bed and understand that that I did it the right way against some of the greatest that played in my era. Hey, Pedro, how, how common is it out there, you think, these days for a manager to basically have his lineup card made out by the analytics folks. You know what? It's not that easy, to be honest. If everybody's like me and loves the game the way I do, it can't be easy. 
because you're only there to occupy the place. I mean, you have to, you have to put what you know into play. I, I'll be bitter if I cannot execute my mind, if I cannot dig in for the things I know and the things I learned. I'm a little bit of a retro when it comes to that. I want to be physical. I want to be there. I want to use part of my brain and, and my knowledge about the game. And if I'm not going to be able to do that, why would I sit in that bench and go through 162 of the travel? Do you think that's pretty common these days? Oh, well, some of the younger managers are, are probably going, going to take that. But guys like Dusty Baker, uh, Showalter in the Mets, they're going to take whatever they need. They are, believe me, they are taking whatever they need. But at the time to build that lineup, it's got to be a sense of pride for you to be able to write who you think is the best player out there and at the same time get the performance. Because if not, what is the worst? Dusty Baker is going to win his 2000 game pretty soon. Analytics weren't there when he won all those games for different, I think it was six or seven different organizations. I can't imagine Dusty being told, hey, you literally don't know this, but the analytics department got you. Here's the lineup. Post it out there. He won't take it. <laughs> and uh, if, if, if you bring that to Dusty, he's probably going to go home and drink wine. <laughs> hey, you know, I get frustrated at, in, at, at NBA players. They're like, well, we don't want to play back-to-back games. I'm like, yo, man, we're playing basketball. So I get mad. I'm like, yo, man, we can play We can play 82 basketball games. It's not going to kill you. How frustrating is it for you? to, If the, if somebody would have come say, Pedro, you're only going to give us six innings. I think I saw uh, Walker Bueller pitch a, a complete game the other night. I think I've seen three pitchers all year pitch complete games. Do you ever get frustrated with these guys just, hey, give me five or six good innings, then we'll let the bullpen take over? Man, I, I would have been in that office. <laughs> the next day, no, I I felt chalk, just like you. Like, I, I've seen Michael. I felt like uh, I worked too hard to go out there for just four innings, 60 pitches, whatever. I, I wasn't training myself if I did that. I don't totally agree with that. I, I, I know that the analytics department probably know a little bit more than we do about some of the guys they have. But I, I, I just didn't think that the work I did would suggest that I just went out there for four or five innings. Pedro, who's the best player you ever played against? Barry Bones, without a doubt. I, I mean, I played against. I, I think it was Barry Bones, the best player I've ever saw. Uh, I, I've seen so many great players, and I'm not taking anything from any of them. But, man, Barry Bones was just that special breed of player. And I faced, I faced Junior. I faced Pujols. I faced so many great players that have been in the game, but Barry Bones was just off the charts. I mean, someone elite. I saw some great pitchers too that I that I admire and respect, but Barry Bones seemed to get to everybody that, that was out there, including me and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ryan, you're going to start popping up names and, and guys with numbers, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, uh, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, they are going to tell you, they're all going to tell you, he got me. He got me. He was just that special breed. Were there certain umpires, Pedro, when you were when you were getting a start and you saw who was going to be behind the plate that um, you said, oh, this is going to be a tough day? Oh, believe me. When I saw Angel Hernandez, <laughs> really, my patience, I was going to have to bring it to the best level possible. I knew that uh, when I saw C.V. Buckner's guy, guys like that, I knew I needed to really strap it on to keep my composure. But at the same time, uh, you know, there were other, you know, state troopers that will probably keep you in line. You didn't need to say much. They were going to do what, whatever they thought. But at the same time, they were more consistent than others. Like Tim McClellan was a, a state trooper. He would hold you accountable. He would do whatever. But whenever he made a mistake, he would, say, he would let you know, I made a mistake on that one. So I, I'm sorry. I'm only human. Uh, Joe West will do that. Uh, Bruce Perming was another one that you couldn't even look at the strike he just missed. <laughs> you just had to turn your back and, and kind of keep walking. Keep walking and, and wander around and let the, the, the anger go, out, go away from you. 
Hey, you know, when I was playing for the 76ers, my first year, we go to play the Boston Celtics. And it was a preseason. And the first four or five preseason games, guys were sitting around playing cards. Guys were telling jokes. Guys were playing music. But we played the Celtics in a preseason game. And I said, what's going on tonight? And they looked at me like, we're playing the Celtics. And I'm like, okay, we're playing. Yeah, I know they're on the schedule. And it was a totally different vibe. Tell me about when you guys play the Yankees. Number one, regular season and then playoffs. What's it like to play against the Yankees? You know, Chuck, uh, for me, I don't know if you noticed, but when I wasn't pitching, I could joke around, try to keep everybody relaxed. But for me, there wasn't anything more serious than my day to pitch. So I pitched with a different attitude, not only because of my background and being mistreated in the minor leagues by uh, the Dodgers organization, didn't believe I could do it. And I, I developed a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. But I also was aware that the Yankees were the best team out there. And there was a rivalry. And not only that, you didn't know, Chuck, I asked to be traded to the Yankees three times. <laughs> and it was like the Dodgers. They refused. They didn't, they didn't want to pull the trigger on me. So uh, every time I, I, I was going to face the Yankees, it was like, you were the guys that said no to me. <laughs> you guys are going to try. I think you're going to pay tonight. As much as I could, I was going to try to make them pay. And I wanted the team to be as focused as I was when I went out there. Because I wasn't out there to make friends, and I wasn't there to joke. We had plenty of time to joke in the clubhouse, to do whatever we had to do when I wasn't pitching. But my day to pitch, facing the, facing the Yankees was the most important thing. I didn't care about no girlfriend. I did not pick up the phone for any family member. <laughs> I just wanted to go out there, whether it was the playoffs or regular season. Because you know, Chuck, as a professional, you only know one level to play. And it doesn't matter if it's a preseason game, if it's a regular season game, or postseason play. I wanted to always be at the same level. I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. What was a better scene facing the Yankees in front of your home crowd at Fenway with that kind of support or facing the Yankees at their place with all that hostility? You know, one of the things that I did against the Yankees that really makes me like dream about it was to set a record at their own house when they were chanting, who's your daddy? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a house where they, they would, as soon as they see me, they go, who's your daddy? Even if I go now and sit in the stands, they'll go, hey, Pedro, who's your daddy? <laughs> I, it, it, it made me so proud to actually stifle the Yankees at Yankee Stadium and, and, and send the old stadium down with, with my record, 17 strikeouts at their own house. I think it was worth every every single struggle I had in my entire career against the Yankees. And also coming back from 0-3 to beating four in a row was like my two dream moments against the Yankees because they were tough on us. They would give us knuckles, and they broke our hearts uh, way too many times. They come back, I think, it's like 165. Or like 143, 144, yeah, yeah. and no. Yeah. Nobody's ever came back. But I got to tell you, I've, I've been in that situation before. You knew once y'all got back to Yankee Stadium, y'all were going to win that series, correct? packed up and said, we're going back to New York. We're not going back to New York just to, to lose one more game. And and everybody knew, and everybody was aware what we we went after, but there was something you don't you don't you don't wake up the sleeping lion, and and that's what happened. A couple of guys popped up when they saw themselves ahead three games. They said we're gonna sweep them because they they they, they look like idiots, and we're gonna send them home like idiots. You know, <laughs> bad hair and all. We're gonna send them home like idiots, and uh, we didn't like that coming. You can beat us up, but don't don't be yapping about it. So. We decided that we were going to try to win that ball game, and we were really close to losing it. One strike away, and and probably two 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 inches from being out at second, Dave Roberts. But we pulled that game. Then we pulled the second one. Then we just said, you know, it's all business now. Now we have the momentum. Uh, 
I don't think we're going to lose anymore. And that's exactly how it was. Who are some of the, you know, you mentioned Verlander, Scherzer, Walker Birlow just coming off a great game. Guys, like, who are some of the young pitchers that we should well, keep our eye on? Well, you just mentioned that one. Uh, Walker Buehler is, is, is the one guy. Webb in uh, San Francisco. Uh, there are so many great guys. Like the Marlins have two or three guys. The Mets have a couple of guys there that, that could be really special. Uh, definitely when you see around the league, there, uh, the, uh, Milwaukee has probably a one, two, three that you're not going to hear much because it's probably Milwaukee, but man, they have some talent. Here in Atlanta, you have Max Fried, you have Wright, you have Anderson. You have so many great kids that, that you can keep your eyes on. There's like a new generation of good pitchers. The only thing is Chuck, I don't know if they're going to allow them to pitch long enough to earn like a Hall of Fame career, especially if this kind of game continues on because they're only going to be there for four or five innings. Analytics department is going to bring three power arms, three 100 miles an hour arms, and those guys are not going to have enough numbers to at the end of their career say, I did accomplish, you know, 200, 219 wins, 215, 200 wins. And at the same time, uh, you know, enough innings to, to they're going to make a lot of money. Make no mistake about it. They're going to make a lot of money because the money is out there for the players. But their, their careers yeah. are only going to be limited to the amount of work they do. And unfortunately, they're not going to get to pitch as much as we have so far, unless you're a Max Scherzer or someone like that. That's a little bit of a retro, the Verlander and those guys. No, I think that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point because I haven't thought much about that, Pedro, because there are, when they consider Hall of Famers, these benchmarks. Okay, how many how many uh, years did he pitch at least 200 innings? How many wins does he have? And that, And now you're happy to be able to go five and qualify for a win because the, yeah. because in this age of specialization, managers are shrinking down. You know, we're trying to, look, if we can get through five, make it a four-inning game, or get through six, make it a, th- you know, a, th- a three-inning game. And and so that's, I think it's a really valid yeah. point where you're going to just have to erase some of those old benchmarks of, yeah, but did he get, no, but he was really good for the five innings they let him pitch every, <laughs> every start, that kind of thing. Hey, before we let you go, tell me about oh, pitching to was, Tom Brady. That was a, a great honor. You know, Chuck, it's like me taking to the basketball court with you or Michael Jordan, someone like that, someone I, I grew up watching, I I, I admire so much. Uh, Tom Brady, we had the opportunity to draft him. As I got traded to the, to the Montreal Expos, we drafted him as an expo, but he chose, he chose football. I was always looking forward to kind of getting close. I knew he loved baseball. I knew he... Sometime we'll, we'll probably want to get into the, the cages and we had the opportunity to be there at the same time. And I saw him messing around with, with the bat. And I said, you know what? You want to hit a couple? He's like, oh, I would love to, especially off of you. So I went into the cages. And he could swing it too. He was a good athlete. That's one of the, the players just like you and Jordan and those guys, those, that era, that really captured my, my eyes in, in football. I think what he did in football, we're not going to see that in probably 200 to 300 more years. It is amazing. It's quite amazing what he's done. You know, that era where you and Michael and everybody took over the game. It's just like, it was so much fun to watch. Hey, Pedro, it's been great talking to you, man. It's, uh, it always is. It's always fun working with you. It's an honor and a privilege. And I know Chuckster has enjoyed every, every second of this. And, and I guess the only way we can say goodbye is, is to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chuck. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. If you don't already have this stored on your phone, you might want to add it. 404-987-0330. 404-987-0330.
I got to give you credit. What? I think that's the first time you didn't look at the number. Yeah. yeah I, see, I've committed it to memory. Uh, I, that's like, because you always have looked at it before we went. Yeah, because I'll yeah. write it down so I don't forget and it. And I was like, damn, Ernie, that's good. I like it. Three years of doing this show yeah. with you, I finally memorized <laughs> the number for Chuck's answering yeah. machine. Uh, and you'll, you'd be amazed. If, you know, you, you call that and you, you may just hear yourself yes. on the steam room if the call is of high enough quality or bizarre enough. <laughs> That's true. Here's the uh, first call this week. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hi, Chuck. I'm one of your 600 trillion bracelets and towel-wearing loyal team are calling from Lagos, Nigeria. Now, um, first of all, you need to change um, the America in your answering machine to world because I'm over 5,000 5, miles away from America, and I'm talking to you. There you go. That's a, it's a point well taken as we get that call from Nigeria. La, La, Lagos, Nigeria. Okay, brother. I'm assuming you're a brother. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Can we play the new intro? Because we 100% agree with you. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Chuck, Ernie, this is Rodney from North Carolina. I just got finished listening to the Roy Green episode, and I had one observation that really stuck out to me. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, Chuck said it 30 times. Roy said it 35 times. <laughs> he said it three times in one sentence at one point. And I just got to know, did Chuck get it from Roy? Did Roy get it from Chuck? Can the boys in the booth find some footage pre-92? Oh, that's hilarious. That, that is an uh, excellent call. That's, that's exactly what we were talking about. If the call is entertaining or bizarre enough. I, I don't know who started, first of all. First of all, Roy. Oh. You <laughs> Let me just say this. Roy would take credit for anything that's positive about me. So he'll say he started it. Hey, so my man from Nigeria, he didn't ask no question? Oh, he was, he was just had a comment. He oh, was just like, hey, comment. don't make this. Don't, okay, yeah. Don't, hello, America. Because in fairness, we've gotten more calls from international. Or we've used more calls international. Well, because they went out of their way. I know. Well, it's not. It, it's Cap's decision. No, no, but I'm Cap saying. Cap listens to every call and says, yeah, this is good. And so I like it when he goes But I'm telling you, we, it's, it's much more of a pain in the ass to make an international phone call. Because, you know, like when you're in another country and you have to call back to the States, He'll do all that country code and all that other crap, remember? Still these days? Well, I haven't traveled out of the country. We've been in a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I know the way it, it used, used to be. To be. Yeah. yeah, and, and it used to, yeah, it was but a real hassle. But these people in the United States, they just dial in a number. Mm -hmm. So we should, I'm, I'm glad we changed it. All right. Um, Nobody's been out of the country, Ernie. We've been in the middle of a pandemic. I know, but I'm just saying with the technology these days, can you not just get on your cell and call back to the States? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe somebody would call in with the right answer. My man, we get him back from Nigeria. See, did he just dial four zero four, or did he have to use the country code? Seven zero three three zero. That's a, that. There, know, there probably there may have been just a, but you don't have to go through an operator or anything. Like but that, that might be a great question, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it just might be fascinating. A, no, no, like first of all, because you don't know. You, I don't and then know. First of all, you don't know. Uh, hey man, stop to, saying first of all. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more calls, Cap? Hey, Chuck and Ernie, this is Carrie calling from the South Bay of Los Angeles. I'm a loyal steamer. I can't wait for every episode that comes out and just love all of the laughs and the interviews and just everything about the podcast really brightens my day. I was watching Inside the NBA tonight and we got hungry, so we ordered Chick-fil-A and it got me thinking, like, what is the absolute best fried chicken sandwich either of you have ever eaten in your life. Chick-fil-A is right up there with me. Chick-fil-A is right up there with me. I, I think that's at the top of my list. Chick-fil-A is good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big chicken sandwich guy, though. Chicken is one of my favorite meals. Uh, but you got to make sure that you get good fried chicken because you have to make sure, like, I'm a wing snob, 
Like I love chicken wings, but if you go to a place where they're half cooked, it drives. Well, that, no, eating half cooked chicken is never a good idea. No, but I'm saying some like I want it. Like I, I always get my wings a little, a little over well. Like not, just like your steaks. Yeah, yes, I like that. Man, I can't believe the way you eat a steak. But go back to chicken legs or it, ch- it, chicken it, wings. It has to be cooked the yeah. right way. All right. Flappers or or drumsticks? Oh, uh, that doesn't bother me. Either one works. Or which, for me. I mean, if you if you had to choose, what would you take? Uh, I'd probably go with the flappers. I like the flappers. Yeah, too. you just break them in half and suck on the bone. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that didn't come out right. Uh, <laughs> that did not come out right. I'm glad Shaq wasn't here. Um, oh, he would have been rolling on. Oh the yeah, floor. he would have been rolling on the floor. Yeah. But Ernie, first of all. A well-done steak. Hey, what did you just say? Oh, Lord, I get it. You, you, can't, you can't help I yourself. I can't help it. A well-done steak just takes longer to cook. And dries it out. Not if you dries slow. Dries it out. It, not if you slow cook it. A well-done steak is not going to be as juicy as one that's done medium or medium rare or medium well. You got to have some pink in there, and you can't be cutting it up. We've been down this road before. You can't be cutting it up before you eat it like you're a child. Ernie. Cutting up every piece of steak. And then it just lays there getting cold, man. No, you put some Heinz. Then, fi- you then, hit, yeah, my, put some fa- cold Heinz 57 No, no on my it. favorite condiment. Man, you, you, my you favorite condiment a... is Heinz 57. Yeah, I know. I put it on every piece of meat. So but... you go to Morton's. You're putting Heinz 57 on a steak? Yes. Oh, you are. A... Man, stop it. I go to They two... don't even have Heinz 57 at Morton's. Yes, they do. Only for you. And Fleming's when I go there, yeah. when I'm in Birmingham. I, I'm t- Ernie, you're never, steak, gonna, you're never steak, going to talk me onto your side steak, on this one. pancakes, you cut them totally up before you start eating. No, you don't. Because it gets t- cold, man. Especially with the pancakes. Because once you cut them up, you can put the syrup right in the little no, cr- nooks you, and you crannies. Can, you can you can cut into a stack of pancakes and still have the syrup and the butter no, get in you there. Want it, you want it to melt in there. You put some jelly on pancakes too? No. Hell no. Oh, come on. Are you an animal? Raised in a barn. Oh, you were raised in a barn. Yeah. Um, no. You cut them up and then you put the syrup on there and it just... And the Heinz 57. Like, it, it'd be like getting a massage. You, you put, just massage. You put, you put Heinz 57 on your pancakes, No, too? I don't. I just, any type of chicken or steak. Uh-huh. That's my, uh, that's Heinz 57. A lot of syrup or a little syrup? Just enough to, or, Just enough or to you, get it. do you drown them in no, syrup? No, it's just to keep, to keep it moist. You ever have banana pancakes? No, I don't like bananas. How about uh, blueberry pancakes? I do not like, uh, no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Why? Cause I just so like, you just do straight pancakes. If you go to IHOP, oh, have pan- you ever been to IHOP? I do. I have. Where you can't, you can, it's, it's hard to get just a hey, regular it's, pancake. It's, it's not Denny's or Waffle House. Yeah, I'm but, just saying. So do you do you explore the outer reaches of the pancake world when you're at IHOP and say, yeah, put some pecans on this no. one, or let's no. have some whipped cream on this no. one? No, I said give me a, a big, uh, give me an order of pancakes and two orders of bacon. I chop my bacon up. Because every piece of pancake, I want a piece of bacon to go with it. <laughs> it's a method to the madness. No, it's madness. But, that's no, for I'm sure. telling you, you get you get your two orders of because you have to have two orders because uh-huh. it's going to normally be three big old pancakes. So you cut up your bacon, mm-hmm. and every piece of pancake you get, you grab a piece of bacon. That's delicious. So is there somebody there holding the fork for you? And feeding you? I don't have time to cut my food every time I want to eat. I cut it up one time. Well, think and- of all the time you've wasted cutting everything up, and it, it would no. equal up. This is going to be one of those things just like Shaq and the gasoline. Yeah. It's not yeah. a time, It's yeah. not a matter of wasting time or anything like that. It's just a matter yeah. of eating it the right way, yeah. and, like an adult. And, and, and you go, are you one of those people going to tell me uh, swallowing gum is bad for you? I wouldn't recommend it. I always swallow my gum. See? I'm, and I'm not dead. I'm winning my case. Hey, and the I'm not The longer dead. you talk, I like, the I, bigger I, I win. I hear these people talking about if you swallow gum, it's going to be stuck in your body. I mean, please. Well, what do you think happened? It's coming That's out. That's a lot of gum. It's coming out. It's <laughs> a lot of gum. <laughs> I'm just calling it's you. You know what? I, Here's your new name. Uh, Juicy Fruit. <laughs> do we have any more calls? Hey, what up, Chuck? This is JR calling from Birmingham. Big Auburn fan, Eagle. I want to tell a funny story. 
when I was uh, probably 15, I was at this Auburn game. This is it was a basketball game. It was back when they had Tony Varvey. And uh, Chuck was sitting on the sideline there, and, you know, me and my friends were big fans. So we went up, and we were like, you know, hey, Mr. Barkley, can we get a picture? And he was sitting in the seat on the sideline, and he, he didn't want to get up. He just grabbed our phone out of my hand and turned it around. He didn't even know how to flip the camera, you know. He just turned the entire phone around and took this terrible selfie and then gave it to us and said, we're equal, guys. And that was it. So, Chuck, I mean, we need to, if you're going to be snatching people's phones out and taking selfies, you need to know you can flip the camera around. There's a camera on the front of the phone as well. Well, well, talking it, technology well, with a church. First of all, we're dudes. We can't be taking selfies. Well, you just did, apparently. Uh, that's that's it was a long time ago. But I'm saying dudes. Oh, so this is a new rule. Dudes can't take selfies. Dudes can't take selfies. And dudes, Why? Because uh, we're dudes. And we don't FaceTime other men. No, but you can't. Uh, that's one and of my. So if somebody comes up, you've done it. If, if, you've been in selfies before. Only, a, only, fan, a fan oh, will oh, say, Chuckster, oh, only, real quick, Chuckster, only, boom. Only with kids and girls. Two dudes can't take a selfie. And dudes don't FaceTime Why each other. Why can't two dudes take a selfie? Because they're dudes. So what? No, no, Ernie, no, no. We had this argument. I remember you got mad at me when I told you a, a dude can't be a cashier? That makes no sense either. Do, a dude can't be a cashier. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You've got such a skewed view of the world, I'll just tell you, if my daughter bought home a cashier, I'd beat the hell out of him. Dad, this is my boyfriend. He's a cashier. I'm like, no, baby. No, 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 no. He got to get a real job. A dude can't be a cashier. I apologize to all cashiers who may be of the male gender out there. And there are a lot of you. Unless you're a high school kid working at but a grown man can't be a cashier. Please stop it. Everybody know him, right? No. Hey, hey, when you look around hey. the studio and people are like this, that doesn't mean they agree Let with me you. ask something. You think we got uh, three or four women here. They're not going to take nobody home to meet their family and say, hey, what do you do? He, I'm a cashier. No, no, no. Hell no. Dad going to say, no, no, baby. Go back and trade him in. Put him back in the aisle somewhere. I'm almost afraid to say this, but we have another call. Hi, Chuck and Ernie. It's Kim calling from Minnesota, and I'm a loyal steamer, and I also have a different hat I wear, which is a transplant hepatologist, which is a liver transplant physician, and April is Organ Donor Awareness Month, and I thought I would at least create some awareness for you two who are super special individuals and letting you know that I've had many patients in the last year that I've caught listening to your program, um, both TNT and the steam room, while they're recovering from the biggest surgery of their lives. And um, one of them in particular even said that he used you guys for pain control. So thought you would appreciate knowing that. Um, I've even seen family members that are waiting for their loved one getting their transplant, trying to pass the time um, listening to you guys. So you're, you're doing great work and you're helping a lot of our patients. And just a slight plug um, to not just sign your driver's license, there are opportunities for your loyal steamers out there for living donation, which can also occur um, for kidneys and liver transplants, um, as you did have a shout out to your um, loyal steamer in Virginia that was awaiting a kidney transplant. There are many patients waiting for kidney and liver transplants. So anyways, you do a great job. Love hearing your show. Thanks so much for everything you do. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, that you know, so this is very personal for me. Mm -hmm. So my brother, he's passed away now, but he got a heart transplant, obviously, when he was alive. And he lived about seven or eight years with the heart. So I know a lot about the organ. I think I think everybody should be an organ donor, uh, personally. Uh, and there's, I forget, how many body parts that can actually be transplanted. But man, I will tell you something. One of the most stressful things I've ever been through was spending around the time uh, around all the organ people waiting donors. And you're on the floor with all these families. And when you see that doctor making that walk and then they break down, because mm -hmm. it's a stressful thing, Ernie, because like there's like three or four checkpoints, like, Okay, this is a match. This is a match. 
and you like this close to getting uh, an organ and then something don't match. And you see the doctor says, you're not a total match. And you see the family break down and cry. Man, that was so stressful and heartbreaking. And I want to thank the doctors at UAB. Uh, my brother uh, got his life together after he got the heart. Proud of him. The rest in peace, Daryl. But man, uh, I wish everybody would donate organs. And uh, thank you for being a law steamer. And, and thanks, Kim, for the call. And thanks for what you do every day. Because just as you described, when you, we come and go here, we do a podcast, we come back, we talk hoop yeah. for four or five hours, go home. Yes, longer than that. When you know when you clock into work every day that you're walking into that setting where there's going to be sometimes heartbreak, yeah. sometimes there's going to be celebration, Yeah. but you know going in every day that, that you're walking that fine line and to come in every day with an attitude of, of doing this, comforting people, helping people through it. Um, I have nothing but the highest regard for everybody who's in, in the medical patient healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because especially now, yeah. Cause you're walking into a situation that can just be, you don't know what the next day is going to bring, but you know what the possibilities are. So Kim, thank you for, for, doing what you do every day and thanks for the kind words on the on the pod because yeah. uh means the world to us and i'm not putting words in chuckster's mouth because we've been down this road before but we've talked about how you know we sit here and talk about this not really knowing every every time how how it might impact somebody but if we can put a smile on somebody's face yeah if we can uh if we can ease somebody's pain if we can just uh and make you forget about stuff for a little while then uh, then we did our job yes and um uh... You know, I'd actually like to find the guy because it was a, a a wife and a father and daughter, if I remember correctly, that gave my brother the heart. And I and, and I I lost contact with them, and I would really love to reconnect because my brother got his his, his life together, and man, uh, I, I met the family, and it was really emotional and awesome. I really would love to reconnect with that family at some point in my life. I think that just by saying that here on the pod, yeah. maybe that will, yeah. uh, maybe somebody will say, oh, you know, I know who's, I know who Chuckster talking about, or it could be the family themselves who say yeah. Chuckster wants to reconnect. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that'll happen for yes. you. Yes. Um, everybody, thanks for joining us. We've only got one more steam room in this season. Um, and that'll be coming up in another uh, week or so. Uh, but until then, uh, this is Ernie Johnson. And for uh, Juicy Fruit, <laughs> uh. we'll see you <laughs> next time on the Steam Room. <laughs>